Welcome to Rama for Today Radio. There are those who believe that God expects us to live above sin. They believe in going on to perfection. Well, I do too. But I haven't arrived there yet. If we were already perfect, we would not have anything to go on to. Paul said, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, neither to already be perfect. Philippians 3.13 But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press forward toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Welcome to Rama for Today with Ken and Lynette Hagan. Today you'll hear more from Kenneth E. Hagan on the present day ministry of Jesus Christ on Rama for Today Radio. Also, later in today's program, I'll tell you about this month's special radio offer. Right now, let's join Kenneth E. Hagan for today's message. By the sacrifice of himself, he had sanctified man, according to Hebrews 9:10 through 14. To sanctify means to set apart, to separate. He had separated man from Satan's kingdom and family. We had become as separated from Satan's dominion as he was. When Christ met Mary, you know, after his resurrection, we referred to that in John twenty seventeen. He said there, Touch me not, for I have not yet ascended unto the Father. He was then on his way to God the Father with his own blood, the token of the penalty he had paid, and he could not be touched by man. He appeared to the disciples a few days later and said, Handle me. So you see, between that time he had ascended on high and entered into the heavenly holies of holies. Jesus' ministry as a high priest did not end with his carrying his blood into the holy place. That was part of it, and that part of it, thank God, is a once-for-all ministry. But he is still the minister of the sanctuary. According to Hebrews chapter 8, verse 2. I think it would be interesting if we just look at that verse for just a moment here. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 2. Now notice what it says. A minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched and not men. For every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices. Wherefore, it is of necessity that this man have somewhat also to offer. And so you see, he's still talking about here, Paul, about his high priestly ministry. And he said here that uh, he is still the minister of the sanctuary. Now, the word sanctuary in Hebrews 8.2 in the Greek means holy things. He is ministering in the holy things. Now, these holy things are our prayers and worship. We do not know how to worship him as we ought. But he takes our off-time crude petitions and worship and makes them beautiful to the Father. These holy things are our spiritual sacrifices which he makes acceptable to the Father. Every prayer, every worship is accepted by the Father when it is presented in the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. And so we need to study about the high priest and ministry of Jesus. We've just touched some of the high spots. He's a high priest that can be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. And he is, according to Hebrews 6.20, high priest forever. We're going to read from the first epistle of John, chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. Also, chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Now, while we're turning to 1 John, chapter 1, I'd like to remind you that we're studying this week on the present-day ministry of Jesus Christ. We've been studying from chapter 1, Jesus Christ, our high priest. Now we're going to take up Jesus Christ, our advocate. 
Now let's read our text. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. Now this verse is the first verse of chapter 2. We'll read verse 1 and 2. My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins. And not for our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Now notice the thought here. We have an advocate, Jesus Christ the righteous. So Jesus Christ the righteous is our advocate. The word advocate means lawyer, our counselor, or one who pleads our cause or our case. These verses belong to the believer, not to the sinner, but the Christians. When the believer is tempted and Satan gains mastery over him, the believer can claim the promise. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Apostle John went on to say, My little children, in First John chapter 2, verse 1, My little children. Now you know, of course, that John did not write this letter in chapter and verses. Man divided it for reference. John wrote a letter. He was not writing to sentence. Although this verse, 1 John 1, 9, is quoted to sinners very often telling them to confess their sins, yet God didn't tell them to. It would be impossible for a sinner to confess every wrong thing that they've ever done. Their whole life is wrong, and they need to be born again and get right with God. This verse was written to Christians. John writes, my little children, they were saved under John's ministry. They were his spiritual children. These things write I unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Now this brings us to a subject that's very touching in the church world. Instead of staying with the Bible, some divide into theological circles or cliques that accept uh, certain concepts, whether they're scriptural or not. It seems that the church world as a whole is divided mainly into two groups, the Calvinists and the Arminians. Years ago, John Calvin, an Arminian, went to the same institute of learning, but each came out with a different idea. One result is what we call old school Calvinism, which embraced predestination, or some call it what is to be, will be. Now, during the time of Charles Finney, the ministers of that day had been taught Calvinism in the Yale School of Divinity. They believed that if you were predestined to be saved, you would be saved. If you were not, there was nothing you could do about it. You could join the church, take advantage of its benefits, but only if it was God's will would he save you. Well, Finney was a lawyer, and after he had finished his education as a lawyer, he began to practice law with a farmer judge. The judge suggested to Finney that he join the church because it would help him in his business and social contacts. So he joined the church. In other young people's service, he asked them to pray for him, for he realized that he did not know God and was unsaved. According to Finney's own autobiography, the group was astounded at his request and told him that if he was predestined to be saved, he would be saved. Otherwise, he'd be lost. And Finney said, you know that he talked to many, and the parents wouldn't even pray for the children because they said, well, if they're predestined to be saved, they'll be saved, and if they're predestined to be lost, they'll be lost. But Mr. Finney said he began to read his Bible. 
the more he read, the more he was convinced that he could be saved. And everyone else could be saved, too, if they wanted to be. And so, alone, he sought God, and God saved him. He soon became a minister and preached that when God said repent, he meant you could do it. The others, however, preached that you could not repent unless God gave you a repenting heart, that you were totally incapable of doing anything. Finney preached that if God asked you to do something you couldn't do, then he would be an unjust God, but God is not unjust. When he said believe, he means you can believe. The others taught, however, and felt that you could not believe unless God gave you a believing heart. Sometimes while Finney was preaching, he would leave his pulpit and go down into the aisle. He said, I would argue my case as I would with a jury. You know, when I was a lawyer. When arguing a case before a jury, I would fasten my eyes upon one man. When I would see his eyes light up, I knew he was getting my point, he said. Then I would fasten my eyes upon another person. I would talk until I would see his eyes light up. I knew he was getting the point. And that's the way, he said, I would preach. I would pick out one fellow in the congregation and preach directly to him until the truth dawned on him. When it did, I would move on to another. But he had great success in getting people saved. And you know what was peculiar about it was that he had great success in getting ministers saved. Because of their past teaching, they were not Christians. Finney had the joy of seeing his own pastor saved. Well, now, today, we do not hear too much about the extreme teaching of what is to be, will be, or old-school Calvinism, as we call it. I think maybe their doctrines have been watered down now, and they're called new-school Calvinism. I certainly believe in eternal security as long as you stay in Christ. He is able to keep you secure. But just because you're a son of God, it does not mean that you're not a free moral agent and still have a will of your own. Then there's the Arminian side, which is not right either. Calvinism is not right. Arminianism is not right. They think that when you commit the smallest sin, you're immediately lost and need to be saved all over again. They think that you need to be born again, again. They have the idea that God's like a fellow with a fly swatter, waiting for a fly to light so he can swat him. They think God is waiting for his children to make one mistake, and when they do, he's going to swat them. One man said that if he spoke harshly to his wife, he was lost. If he died, he said he would go to hell. He thought that he had to get saved all over again. Well, now, if that was true, there are some people that have been saved two or three thousand times by now. There are those who believe that God expects us to live above sin. They believe in going on to perfection. Well, I do too, but I haven't arrived there yet. If we were already perfect, we would not have anything to go on to. Paul said, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, neither to already be perfect, Philippians 3.13. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press forward toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now, when you get into this area, some folks think that you're giving people a license to sin. Well, I always say, though, that folks do enough sinning without any license. It's quite obvious that God does not want us to sin. Notice what the Holy Spirit said through John here in 1 John 2.1. Notice, these things write unto you that you sin not. Now, it is also obvious that if we walk completely in the word and in love, we shouldn't sin. But it is also obvious that none of us have done that yet. And so the rest of the verse says, And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Now we do not need an advocate until we do sin. An advocate is a lawyer or one who pleads our case. Unless we've broken a law and have a case to plead, we do not need a lawyer. We do not need this advocate ministry of Jesus until we fail. 
Now looking at the other side of the question, there are those who I doubt were ever Christians because they live anyway and anything, cheat, lie, steal. Some of them have said to me, it doesn't make any difference what I do. Christ is my advocate. One man said, I don't know, but that I might steal a mule next week. I'm not planning to do it, but if I do, he's already forgiven me for it. Well, I doubt seriously if a fellow like that was ever saved. I doubt very seriously that a man or woman that claims to be a Christian that could just go on practicing sin and doing wrong and not feel convicted about it and do something about it to quit it and to confess it and stop it has ever been saved. You're listening to Rama for Today with Ken and Lynette Hagan. If you'd like to find more life-changing resources, then visit rhema.org. That's R-H-E-M-A dot O-R-G. Right now, I want to tell you about this month's special offer. When you call or go online, you'll be able to purchase the Heart of God package. The book from Ken Hagen, Listen to Your Heart, Kenneth E. Hagen's DVD, Just Know God, and his slimline books, The Present Day Ministry of Jesus Christ and Right and Wrong Thinking. All these resources are $24.95. Call toll-free 1-888-FAITH-99. Again, toll-free, 1-888-FAITH-99. You can also order online at rhema.org. That's R-H-E-M-A dot O-R-G, rhema.org. Or if you prefer to write Kenneth Hagen Ministries, our address is P.O. Box 50126, Tulsa, Oklahoma, 74150. We always love to hear from our listeners, so write in or email us today and become a part of Rama for Today. Now, let's join Ken and Lynette Hagen. We're also excited about Rama Bible Church, Broken Era. Oh, yes. Oklahoma and Rama Bible Church, uh, Oklahoma City. Yes. And so if you're in the areas here, come and visit us at Rama Bible Church. Here in Broken Era, we have services on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, but they're also live streamed. Yes, and so they're live you can streamed on Rama.tv or go, just go to Rama.org and you can find us there. Call now and ask the operator for this month's special radio offer, three books and a DVD. Call today, toll free, 1-888-FAITH-99. That's 1-888-FAITH-99. Or visit rhema.org. Tomorrow on Rama for Today, we'll continue Kenneth E. Hagan's life-changing series. That's next time on Rama for Today with Ken and Lynette Hagan.